Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khan Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. Today's episode is a very unique conversation that I streamed live on all of my social platforms. The reason I decided to record this episode live was really to give people a chance to engage in conversation and ask questions. Today, I talk about the two mindset shifts to increase retention. And I really give these mind shifts around how to look at what staff retention means today. What does buy-in mean? What does it mean to really have staff accountability? And what does it mean to build a culture of excellence in this post-COVID era and what the workforce looks like now, what the economy looks like now, and so many other factors are really contributing to this quote-unquote hiring crisis that we're seeing on a global level and how it's impacting the childcare industry in a very visceral way. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that it's from a live streaming, so there is a lot of engagement that happens there as well, but the content, the strategy, and the perspective, I hope will be very valuable to you. Once again, thanks so much for joining me. Hi, everyone. Good morning. And welcome to this special live training edition on how to change the narrative around the hiring crisis. So originally, I was going to record this as a podcast episode. And then as I started to really craft out the content and the dialogue that I was going to be using in the podcast, I realized that this would be super valuable if I also recorded this as a live streaming to give more people an opportunity to engage in the dialogue while I was sharing it. So that is why I decided to go live here. I'm live on multiple different platforms. This will also be on our Schools of Excellence podcast as well in the coming weeks. But for right now, I'm really excited to share this very different perspective and really kind of disrupt your thinking around everything that's going on in the world, specifically in the educational space. So if you're live here with us or if you're watching the replay, what's beautiful about live is that we get to interact with each other. And I know so many of you are here with us. So just give me a quick hello in the comments and good morning. I know so many of you are 
are calling from all different parts of the world. For some of you guys, it's like six o'clock in the morning right now. I know even here on the East Coast, it's super early. The reason I'm doing this so early is this is actually kind of my time block for recording podcast episodes. That's why I'm here kind of super early in the morning. So let's get started with a little bit of context before we go into what's happening in the industry and then some of the solutions. One of the things that we always talk about at Schools of Excellence is understanding the problem that you're trying to solve, right? When we understand what is the problem that we're trying to solve, it is a lot easier for us to be able to find the right solution. What happens many times is we are looking for tactics and strategy for the wrong problem. And when we actually find what is the challenge, right? What is the problem truly under all of the layers, under all of the dialogue that we're hearing? What is truly the problem that we're trying to solve? So let's get started with high level context. What we're seeing right now in the educational space is a global revolution on education. Parents are speaking up. Parents are questioning and challenging school boards. Parents are coming forward and asking for transparency. They're saying, show us the book, show us the library, show is what's going on. We want to know what you are feeding our children's minds. And this is happening a lot at the educational level in elementary and middle school and in high school. And here's the thing that we always need to remember. Early childhood is also a small ecosystem within all of the educational realms. It doesn't matter the age. And so many schools are already seeing this in the early childhood sector, but you're going to see it a lot more in the coming months probably more it as we head into 2022. And what you're going to be seeing is parents are going to start asking more questions on the curriculum, on child development, on the interaction that your staff are having with the children. Parents want more of a lens into what's happening in the classrooms and more specifically, what are you feeding the child's mind? There has been a lot of uncovering of what are you saying to my kid? How are what are the values of the school? What are the silent messages that you're sending my child? child through your behavior, through your thoughts, through your actions. It's not just about the curriculum. Parents are starting to see that so much of who the teacher is has a massive impact on their child. So that's the first thing to understand from a high level of what's going on in some other layers. Now, the other thing that we're seeing is parents are still coming out of this global pandemic, right? We're 19 months in, 18 months in. And so there's still this residual fear, exhaustion, decision fatigue, and every single person responds to crisis in a very different way. And so parents are armoring up, right? To use Brene Brown's terminology, they armor up. And so they are afraid. And so something happens with their child, even something as simple as a little scratch or their kid had an accident or or whatever, and they're panicking. And what's happening is they're bringing their panic to the staff, to the directors, to you. And many of the younger staff, or even the older staff, are struggling heavily with not internalizing the parent's fear and then offloading pain right back onto them, right? The parent comes with anxiety, the teacher has high anxiety or the director has high anxiety, and they offload it right back to the parent. The damage is, is that that parent right? Doesn't see, oh, we're both in pain. No, all she sees is the director told me something that I don't like. And then she goes to social media or she goes to your reviews or she goes to the coffee shop and she starts to gossip. These are the kind of impacts of what happens when we're in a fear-based culture, when we're in an environment, not just within the four walls of our center, but within our cities, our communities, and our country, where there's so much fear that's going on. So 
The reason I'm taking you up for a 10,000 foot view is because you need to understand what's happening here before you come in and start seeing, okay, what are the strategies? What are the tactics? How do I deal with this? Mindset before mechanics, always mindset before mechanics. So if you're live here with us, or if you're watching the replay, let me know in the comments, if you're seeing some of those things right now with your families, if you're seeing a more of a call for transparency, if you're seeing parents coming forward and asking questions, if you're seeing the fear and kind of how parents are communicating now differently from how they used to maybe two or three years ago, right? We're seeing a different dialogue. The other thing that we're noticing as well is while parents are coming forward, there's still a lack of education of developmentally appropriate practice, right? So a lot of families who have young children, for many of them, it's their first child, and there isn't an awareness on what is truly developmentally appropriate for an 18-month-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old. The understanding of the implementation of how developmentally appropriate practice truly transfers into the classroom and the day-to-day schedule is helps you contextually make decisions around the child and around just the whole curriculum. And when parents don't have that understanding, they're coming with, well, why isn't this happening? And you're like, well, that's not developmentally appropriate. Well, why did you respond that way? Well, that's what's developmentally appropriate, or that's what's in alignment with the school values. So now let's go a layer deeper, right? We spoke up here We spoke about parents. Now let's go to staff. We're having a combination of all different types of staff that are coming into the industry. We have some young staff, very young staff. So anywhere between 20 and 26 years old, right? Super young staff. The reason I always give that age bracket is so that you understand that anyone under 26 years old, their brain is not fully developed. Full brain development comes at the age of 26 when the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that is responsible for executive functioning, critical thinking, components of being a grown up, those get fully developed at 26 years old. Your mind continues to develop. The brain is very malleable. You can continue to reprogram your brain. However, until 26, there are a lot of missing components and skills. The reason that's such an important concept to understand is because if you have young staff, you're dealing with a lot of dysregulated nervous systems. You're dealing with a lot of dysregulated of emotional regulation, of understanding how to process my emotions before I vomit on other people, how to process what I'm feeling in this particular moment before I respond and react. We process first. The other thing that happens a lot with a dysregulated nervous system or the emotional regulation is we over-dramatize what's happening. And so we kind of have this like, you know, surfing effect where, you know, one day the director's up here, then something happens, they're down here. It's not even one day. 10 o'clock in the morning, they're here. 10.30, they're here. 11 o'clock, they're here. 12 o'clock, they're back up here. Or one day they're talking about this teacher. Oh, she's amazing. She's great. The next day, oh God, we got to fire her, right? Just give me a thumbs up in the comments if you have staff that are like this, or if you're an owner and you have directors, you know, just this is really challenging when there's this surfboard kind of thing, because it's very difficult to make decisions and choices and futuristic goals around training, development, mentoring, coaching with your company. So what I want to do here is I'm breaking down the rest of this show into two parts. I'm going to talk about the top five skills that we need to start seeing in our leaders, in our directors, in 
our teachers, in our administrators, in you as the owner, if you're the CEO and you as the CEO. And then I'm going to share two strategies to start understanding how to flip the narrative around the hiring crisis. Okay. So this is a combination of a lot of different concepts here. So yesterday I did a strategic advisory, which is Monday mornings. I do a live streaming into the director's inner circle and the owner's HQ Facebook groups. Those are our two flagship programs that help directors and owners build and sustain schools of excellence. And what I spoke about there is about the five skills that are needed in this season and beyond to be able to create sustainability, stability, and profit and legacy for the company. So if you're an owner and you're watching this, or you're an executive manager, or you're a CEO, and you're looking at your centers, or you're looking at your one center, to build stability and long-term profit and legacy, your staff, the team, the people that are going to be executing all the things that are going on, right down to the teachers, the assistant teachers, the administration, the assistant directors, the directors, all of those people need these five core skills. If not, what happens is the ripple effect of these five core skills is there is consistent roller coasters. There are constant hidden risks that keep flashing themselves forward. And it is exhausting on the leader to constantly be pulled back, pulled back, pulled back, and they can't chart the course forward. Or if they chart the course forward and they plow forward ahead, they're constantly plugging holes in each of the centers. And it's very, very tiring. Um, And it's mentally draining and exhausting. And then what happens is, is the decision fatigue on the leader kicks into their brain. And then when they need to make important decisions about other things that are going on, their brain is snapped. And so they're not looking ahead or looking at things, what's going on in the way that a leader or a true commander in chief should be doing. So let's dive into what those five core skills are. The first one is emotional regulation, what I was talking about before. Emotional regulation is a skill. It is not something you are born with. No baby is emotionally regulated. They wake up in the middle of the night a hundred times to be fed. They are not emotionally regulated. They are babies. Throughout our childhood and adolescence, we learn the skills through osmosis, through modeling, through training, through direct teaching on how to emotionally regulate our nervous system. Stress is a part of life. The goal is not to eliminate stress. Okay, I'm going to say that again. The goal is not to eliminate stress. Stress is a part of life. The goal is to understand that when stress comes at you or crisis comes at you, that is not an excuse to offload all your shit to other people, right? You need to understand how to process your own emotions, your own regulated nervous system before you respond. And what's happening is, is that many leaders are struggling heavily with emotional regulation. And we're seeing the responses. So I work with leaders one-on-one. I work with leaders in groups. I speak on stages. I'm constantly going to masterminds. Emotional regulation sits at the core of so many of the issues that we're seeing. This director is struggling with this. This director, you know, can't keep her door closed. Everyone keeps, you know, bothering her. This one, this, this one, that. They're always overwhelmed. It's emotional regulation. Internalize the stimuli. Figure out how to regulate it before you come forward. So that's the first one, emotional regulation. The second one, which is probably the hardest, and this is a lifelong journey, is relational intelligence. Relational intelligence is probably the meta skill of running a childcare center or any business with consistent human interaction and people involvement. Relational intelligence is understanding how to process facial interactions, words, body language, nonverbal cues, 
all in an instant and be able to respond in a way that is meaningful, you know, non-attacking or in a way that doesn't get the other person to be defensive. So it's that time of year again when we're wrapping up all of our 2021 goals and we are embarking into the new calendar year. And so while this is very much in the middle of the academic or kind of school year, it's still a time when people pause, reflect, and do some inner thinking. And we have something special here at Schools of Excellence called Reflective Questions for Staff. Too many times we run through the year and never take the time to notice how far we've come, the goals that we've actually achieved, and also taking some time to think about what do we want to stop doing? What do we want to continue doing? What are we doing because it's always been done that way? And we want to be able to grow and learn and see that our commitments and goals are actually achieving results. And so for a very special time during this particular season when this podcast is on here, we're running a special for these reflective questions for only $9 for you to get access to it for your entire team. You can click the link in the show notes and get access to your own PDF over 20 questions to help your staff be more reflective and be more mindful about how they want to go into the new year. Relational intelligence is understanding that when a parent says something, it's understanding when to be quiet in that moment, when to smile, when to nod, how to respond, how to ask for permission for the pause. All of those things are relational intelligence. It is about relationships and it's about using your intelligence and your wisdom when you respond. It is not about using your amygdala or the alligator part of your brain when you respond to a parent or to a teacher or to your boss. It is about pausing and then responding. So let me know in the comments if you're live, again, or if you're watching the replay, how you're seeing relational intelligence play out in your center. Relational intelligence is when there's mastery in, okay, this person in this moment cannot process anything that I'm about to tell them. And so here's what I'm going to do instead. And here's when I'm going to loop back with this person. And I'm going to have the discipline to put the reminder in my phone so that I remember to close the loop. There is so much beauty in knowing how to do those things. And there is massive impact when the leaders are able to do that. Yes, emotional regulation is your own nervous system. It's regulating your own emotions. Relational intelligence is understanding how to communicate what you need to to the other person and knowing when you're not supposed to communicate and you're supposed to close the feedback loop 24 hours, 48 hours later. That's relational intelligence. That's kind of a little bit of the difference between the two. Okay, let's go to the third one. Problem solving. Problem solving, it is a skill. It is the ability to manage issues at your own location without bringing everything up to management. I work with CEOs. I work with owners. I work with leaders of multiple centers. What's one of their biggest pain points? Poof, everything gets brought up to them. All the problems, all the issues, everything comes back to them. Why? Because whoever owns the decision owns the consequence. And we have people that have dysregulated nervous systems that are leading with people pleasing, that are leaving, leading with a perfectionist mindset, and they are terrified to make a mistake. They are terrified to show up in a way that maybe now you're going to see that I'm not a perfect person, right? That's the armor 
And really, nobody's perfect. We make mistakes all the time. All the time we're making mistakes. I was telling one of my kids the other day, my son was asking me, you know, he's like, do you make mistakes in your business? And I was like, Mendel, I actually log my mistakes because if I'm not making enough mistakes, that means that I'm not pushing myself out of my comfort zone enough. If I'm constantly growing and I'm constantly evolving and learning, I have to make mistakes. It's unbelievably arrogant for me to believe that I should be able to do something I've never done before perfectly the first time right out of the gate. That doesn't exist. And that is not a value in our household. When you will do something for the first time, you will suck. It will be terrible. You will not know what you're doing. You're supposed to stick with it. That's mastery. That's mindset. That's mental toughness. And I said, and I log it. The reason I log it is because if I'm not making enough mistakes, it means I got complacent. It means I'm staying in the edge of my comfort zone. Nope. I want to be a person that's in the pursuit of excellence. And my son was mind blown. Like you log your mistakes. I'm like, I also log my wins. I do, but I also need to log. Am I challenging myself enough? Am I pushing myself enough? Because that's the life I want to lead. So that is problem solving. Okay. Let's go to the fourth one. Discernment. Whoo. Discernment is, it's a big one right? Discernment is understanding. Now, there's so many different ways to define discernment. I'm using this in the context of staff, okay? Discernment is the ability to know when do you follow company policy all the way through and when do you have flexibility for the policy or the standard. It's understanding, okay, in this moment, I need to follow company policy all the way through. And then in this moment, based on all the relational things that I'm seeing, I actually need to give flexibility. And the other thing to understand how discernment and problem solving really work together is that part of discernment and problem solving is knowing I have authority to be able to pass a specific decision in this moment, or this actually needs to be managed up and I need to ask for expert advice. Why don't we ask for expert advice? Why don't we lean into mentors and coaches? Why don't we manage up? Because it is still perceived as weakness to ask for help. It is an overhaul of the mindset that we have to change in our educational system. Think about where it comes from. Where is the root of the problem of asking for help? In school for 18 years, you get the message day in and day out, day in and day out. Whoever has the right answer is the good girl. Whoever gets 100 on their test, is the master. Whoever gets A plus on everything is the leader. Whoever gets everything right, whoever gets the answer correct, that's the person that we look up to. The person who raises their hand and says, I don't understand. Oh, what are you, stupid? And those silent messages become internalized for decades. And so when we get a job, our minds don't instantly switch to, oh, you know, I don't know how to do this. I should really ask for help. It's, I don't really know how to do this. I should just double down and continue doing whatever I can do because dare I ask for help, I'm going to be considered the stupid one. Guys, these are messages that your teachers have. I know this because I talk to teachers all the time. This is how schools of excellence stay closest to the pain and exactly what's going on. This is the narrative in teachers' minds. And a huge thing that we work on in schools of excellence is flipping the culture around the invitation to ask for help and asking for help is celebrated. I'm going to share the fifth one, and then I'm going to go into two strategies for you guys. So we so far spoke about emotional regulation, relational intelligence, problem solving, discernment. And the fifth one, boundaries. 
many people are coming into work with their friends. They're linking arms with their buddies. They're like, let's all apply to this center together. Or they come alone and then they become besties with people very quickly. People are looking for friendship. People are looking for community. People are looking to be part of a tribe. These are things that have always been part of the human psyche. People need to be part of a community. People need a sense of belonging and they are not finding that many of them in their personal lives. They are not finding that in their own communities. And so they are looking to their work to create a sense of belonging, meaning, and purpose for them. The challenge is with boundaries is when you are close with people, you also have to understand the boundaries of that's a trespassing into your personal life. We can have that conversation out of school. It carries over into performance. We are, oh my God, she's my best friend. How did she say that to me? Like, oh my gosh. And now we have middle school and high school drama in the workplace. And so leaders are starting to become lunch monitors and recess monitors to monitor what's going on with all the social drama. And that that's just too much. That is not part of an adult workplace. You're a grown-up now. Part of being a grown-up is we don't play victim. We don't give excuses. We own up. We take personal responsibility and accountability for our life. Trust me, there are many times I wish I could be a little kid and not take responsibility for what's happening. It's a lot easier to do that. It's a lot easier but I want to be a grown-up. So I choose temporary discomfort because I want to be the grown-up. So now that we've seen these five core skills, let's go into the two shifts to make with staff. You see, a lot of this hiring crisis and a lot of we're struggling with bringing in quality staff is all of these things are part of being a quality staff member. And most people don't have these skills right now, or they're very, very low on their barometer. And the narrative in the media and in what's happening is go back, like some people are like, stay home. Or if you're going back to work, you're looking for what? Who could pay me the most? Who could give me the most benefits? Who could give me the most raises? Where am I going to get the most promotions? Where am I going to get the most time paid time off? They're looking for the external factors of what makes a job well for them. There's internal and external factors of why people stay at a job. And what's happening is, is that the conversation is all about the external factors. I see this in my groups. I see this in the free groups that I'm part of. I see this in all the conversations that I'm having. CEOs and owners are looking at the external factors of how to keep staff and acquire staff sign-up bonus, incentives, pay scale, what all the things around external components, dress-up days, taco Tuesdays, morning prep, everything is external. Guys, you can't keep people from an external component. You can't do anything long-term from a tactics component. It's all mindset and strategy. It's mindset and strategy. It's changing the narrative and the conversation. You can't build a school of excellence on tactics. It doesn't work. It's not long-term sustainability. You could create short-term stability, but if you want long-term sustainability and profit and legacy, you cannot come from a tactics money game. It doesn't work. You need to come from the internal motivators of people. So let's start with the first one. Childcare is physically and mentally exhausting. I will say that again. Childcare is physically and mentally exhausting. Give me a yes in the comments if you agree. Physically and mentally exhausting. When something is physically and mentally exhausting, if I don't have a feedback loop closed in my brain where I'm seeing where it's good and where I'm winning and where I should be proud of myself, why would I come back day in and day out to a job that is physically and mentally exhausting? I don't want to work in a place that's physically and mentally exhausting unless there are other rewards to it. And the rewards are not external. They're internal. 
You can't change the way our bodies and minds are worked and designed and built. People need internal fulfillment, internal purpose meaning. Look at the wealthiest people in the world. You think they're happy? They're not. So why do you think giving a staff member more money is going to make her happy and stay? It's not. People need to find pride in themselves. So strategy number one, help staff close the feedback loop on the pride that they need to find in their classrooms. So here's what I see a lot because I go into centers. Directors go around, leaders go around, they pop their hand in the classrooms. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Or they see them in the hallway. Hey, how are you? How was your day? Change the language. It's not, hey, how are you? How was your day? Flip it. Hey, can you tell me a moment where you were proud of yourself today? Hey, I know that you've been struggling a little bit with Sam and he's been giving the classroom a little bit of a hard time. Can you tell me a moment of joy that he brought to the classroom today? Hey, I know you just started working with Samantha. Not how's it going between you two, because the brain immediately goes to the negative. That is how all of your brains work. It doesn't matter where you live on this planet or what your zip code is. It immediately goes to what's not working. So you don't ask, hey, how's it going with Samantha? You say, hey, how are you and Samantha finding a good groove with the children? Hey, how are transitions working between the two of you guys? How are you guys being able to connect with one another and create a great environment for the children? Hey, did you know that Samantha, you know, I don't know, used to work in the in the army? Were you able to like chat with her a little bit about that? Oh, I actually don't. Oh, you should ask her about that. Change the language. And this is time and effort and intentionality. And guess what? It takes time. It's a lot easier to walk into the classroom and say, hey, how are you? Hey, how's it going with Samantha? It's a lot harder to pause and ask more intentional questions. But what you're doing when you tell her, hey, where is a moment of joy that Sam brought to the classroom? You are subconsciously telling her brain, Sam's a good kid. I like working with Sam. Sam brings joy. And when she goes home and her husband, boyfriend, partner, family member, sibling, whatever, asks her, how was your day? Oh, Sam was amazing today. Like how much joy he brought to the classroom. That's the first thing that's coming out of her mouth. That's the feedback loop that gets closed in her brain. So guess what happens? Tomorrow morning, when she has a headache, she doesn't call in sick. When she has a headache, she drinks a giant glass of water, eats breakfast, and comes to work. Because guess what? She doesn't have fever or COVID. She has a headache. She could come to work. She's excusing it with, oh, I might have COVID. No, I might not want to work with Sam today. That's what's underneath that. All right, I'm speaking truth right now. I'm done with all the covering up. This is truth. There is too much of this nonsense. And we have the power to change the narrative. And if you're ready to move into this dialogue where we help teachers close the feedback loop, that there is joy, that there is pride, that there is meaning, there is purpose in their classroom, you will have less call-outs. You will have less dropouts. You will have less teachers coming late. You will have less people walking out on you because those people will find purpose in the building, not from external motivators, but from internal joy and purpose. Give me a yes in the comments if you want this. External factors don't work. Motivation charts, behavioral charts, sticker charts, they don't work. They don't work. There's enough data and science to prove it. It doesn't work. You've got to find it from internal. And what's happening is, is the job is so mentally and physically exhausting that people are struggling with finding what's working. 
I know we're struggling with finding what's working, but we're the leaders. We're responsible to change the narrative. So if we're responsible to change the narrative, how do we do it? Use different questions. Invite a different dialogue and conversation. Help the teacher find joy in her classroom. Not because she got a $5 gift card, but because she sat with Sam when he was crying and held him and showed him it's okay to be safe here. Miss Amy's here. She loves you. She's going to take care of you. You are part of the person that's creating safety and security in this child's life. You have no idea how meaningful this is going to be for this child. And every time you soothe him and calm him down, you are sending a message in the neural pathways in his brain. Grownups are safe. I'm going to be okay. When I cry, I don't get yelled at. I get protected. Help the teachers understand that. Just like the parents have zero clue on developmentally appropriate practice, most of the teachers don't either. They have no idea that by embracing this child, this is what they're doing. They have no idea that by actually communicating with respect and dignity to the child, they are raising a child who is going to grow up and speak with respect and dignity also. So that's the first change. The second one is contribution. Human, one of the six human needs is contribution. People need to feel like they are contributing and they are part of the collective good that is going on in whatever bucket of life you're putting them, whether that's in their relationship, in their marriage, in their parenting, in their community, um, if they're a faith-based, in their church, in their synagogue, people want to contribute. So if people want to contribute, you need to create invitations for people to step up and contribute. Every single teacher has something to offer from her previous life, whether that is experience, maybe she took a science degree, maybe she has a bachelor in liberal arts, maybe she actually knows how to paint, maybe she knows how to sew, whatever her talents, her skills, her hobbies, maybe she, you know, went abroad in, I don't know, Japan for three months, and so she knows how to make a killer sushi, I don't know, whatever it is, Every single teacher has something that she can contribute that nobody else can. Because every single person is unique. God doesn't make duplicates. Every single person is unique and special in their own way. And so when we create an invitation for people to contribute, now they're part of the solution. Now they're part of the bigger mission and vision of the company. What we're doing is, is we want self-reliant staff. We want staff who are not selfish. We want staff who contribute. And yet the tactic we feed continue to feed entitlement and selfishness. We continue to give entitlement. Here, you can get another raise. We continue to promote selfishness. Don't worry, you don't have to do anything. I'll take care of everything. Guys, flip it. No, people want to contribute. People want to level up. These are young staff. They actually want to contribute. They've just never had a role model in their life who put boundaries in place, who created opportunity for them. You could be that person. Don't perpetuate the cycle of entitlement and selfishness or dysregulated nervous system. Create an environment that fosters and builds that. And that takes work and that takes time. And I just shared two tactics here with you, but there's so much more to this. So we're at the top of the hour here, it's 8.30. What I wanna do here is as we close out, if you're live or if you watch the replay, let me know in the comments your biggest insight from today's live training, your biggest insight that you're walking away with. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, come join us in the Schools of Excellence Lounge and share with us your insight from today's training. Just in a recap, we spoke about what's happening globally and nationally in the educational space. We spoke about the five top skills which are emotional regulation, relational intelligence, problem solving, discernment, and boundaries. And then I share two strategies that foster internal motivation from staff 
which is helping them close the feedback loop of where to find pride and joy and how to help them contribute to the collective mission and vision. I want to thank every single one of you for joining me here live, who participated in the conversation. For those of you that are joining us on the podcast, this is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. This is a conversation I'm going to continue to have. Give me a yes in the comments if you want more information on this, if you want more content on this. Um, if you're looking for more strategies of how to change the dialogue, give me a thumbs up, give me a yes. I'm going to continue to create more podcast episodes on this throughout the rest of this year and wishing you all an amazing Tuesday and an amazing rest of the week. Thanks so much for joining me. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.